see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box. Recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Steve, what have you been working on this week? Oh my goodness, I was worried you were going to ask me that question. So this week, I decided, have you ever been to Bunkerville Park? Yes, it's beautiful. What's the name of it? Something Levitt Memorial Park up in Bunkerville. Yeah, and it's pretty. There's trees. Oh yeah, huge old trees. And when it's 106 outside, sometimes it's okay to find a picnic table under some shade and try my hand at art. So there was a um, the vermilion flycatcher there, beautiful orange. So I started to paint a picture of vermilion flycatcher and I'm okay with where I'm at so far. Okay, but I, the orange isn't, isn't red enough, you know what I mean? Right, and they are intense, their colors are yeah. intense. Yeah, so I think I wanna mix a little more red in with orange and paint over that. Now I won't have to do it like acrylic and put white out over it first. <laughs> I will just go ahead and paint over top of it. It'd be interesting to try a glaze too, like a really thin glaze and see how that looks too. Because it's not thick. It would be uh, very transparent. Yeah. But just kind of reflect back different color. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. So that's my boring life this week. Um, besides living a breathing podcast. That's true. So what's been shaking with you, Rochelle? So I've been working on uh, my paintings for the next competition, which is let your dreams fly, and this starts. Uh, let's see. I believe it starts on the twenty seventh of June is when the new competition and exhibit starts. So I have four paintings that are very similar. They're kind of a series that I'm trying to get done. They've been in the works for quite a while, um, but they they would perfectly fit the theme. So that's what I'm working on. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'll need to drop by and see it. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get done so. <laughs> before four o'clock on that Saturday. <laughs> yeah, before four o'clock on Saturday. At three fifty nine on Saturday. Yes. Here comes Rochelle racing in. Here we are. It's still wet. So, okay. So uh, today's guest is Kathleen Burkholz, okay? And I won't go into Kathleen's um, illustrious credentials because we'll let her tell us about them. So uh, Kathleen, um, you want to tell us about yourself, your background, all the good stuff you do, all the bad stuff you do? No, you don't do any bad stuff. Uh, I got to admire that you do indicate that there is a lot of bad stuff that goes on. (laughs) Um, But the interesting part to that is a lot of good stuff comes out of it. There you go. You know, I was a troubled teenager. I, I grew up in a in a house in San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, with four brothers, 
two other sisters. So I had to find my place on the totem pole. Can I ask you a break in real quick? How sure. many how many bathrooms? One. Wow. And that was outside. You know, you had to go with the lizards and the snakes and things like that. So yes. Puerto Rico being a small island, um, military base. Um, you know, it, it's just the family living and we were all in one little huddle. So I grew up fighting with my brothers all the time. I have prehensile toes. So I was able to pretty much track down my brothers, <laughs> sit on them and hang on to their chest hair with my toes <laughs> to get my way. So there's my troubled teens. <laughs> I have two older brothers, they're twins, two younger brothers. Uh, one passed away recently of COVID. The other one lives in uh, Texas raising a family and I have two sisters, one in California and one somewhere in Nebraska. So I've traveled all around. I'm a military brat. So yeah, there's a lot of things I had to do in a bad way to get places in a good way. Right. So there it goes. There, There is the history lesson for Kathleen. Um, I don't often go by Kathleen. I go by K most of the time, hey you, uh, but I answer to it all. I don't have my parents anymore. They've, they've been passed for four or five years or more, um, but my sisters and some of my brothers are still hanging around in California. So after the first marriage of 25 years, um, I, I left and went on kind of on my own for a little while back in Washington, DC. Uh, a lot of my interview questions I had two facets to me. I had the workload where I had to make my own money to pay my own bills. And then I had um, other things that I liked to do, which was the artistic or creativity side. So on the hard work side, um, I am a registered and licensed plumber. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and a water and wastewater treatment plant operator for my 30 some years. I worked as uh, a water and wastewater technician. So I did swimming pools, I, I did grave digging, I did ditch digging of all kinds. That's how I hurt my back. So I kind of retired from that, um, moved on, uh, kind of just seeing the sights for a while. The Army, of Corps, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers hired me as a uh, a studio manager for most of the military and that's where I basically got into the art realm uh, learning clay work um, painting I did wood shop you know I did kind of the whole thing that military people would do when they came home or their siblings or dependents so it was quite a venture and and again when you're by yourself and you don't have anybody else, uh, kids are grown, they left the house, so you're really all by yourself. Right. So what do you do? Well, uh, I started teaching Sunday school. Um, I started just doing a lot of um, gathering of people in the neighborhood just to give the, mostly the kids something to do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it just goes, like I said, you got a fence in front of you, you jump over it and you keep going because uh, the alternative wasn't real good and I wasn't going to go there. So 
again, um, I stayed with the military. I had an environmental science um, uh, opportunity to stay in the water and wastewater field for a long period of time. So I basically stayed there. And, and that was with the Corps of Engineers? Correct. Uh -huh. um, in Virginia, I went to work for, um, it sounds funny, but it, it's Fulkier County. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Warrington, Virginia. Say that very slow. <laughs> so uh, I moved around a lot, um, found my place there for many, many years, and then most of my family lived in the West Coast. I ended up on the East Coast. So every summer I transfer back and forth. So when I finally gave up the workload of working for a living, I grant you, I thought my artistic ability would kind of keep me going. And I did. I opened up a KD Crafts. For many years, I had a license to do, um, wasn't pottery at the time, it was more ceramics. Mm -hmm. um, the Army Corps of Engineers sent me to a lot of schools. I went to Colinar and learned pen and ink. I did it on glass, on tin. I learned how to weave, um, knowing uh, that the Army had the facilities to do a lot of these things for both the military and their dependents. I learned a lot. Then they gave me the job of recreation assistant. <laughs> Did not like that. Yeah, I can see by no. your So what, what kind, what would that entail? I, ha I was in charge of renting out um, to the military and their dependents tents, trailers, you know, oh, yeah. things that they could go out <laughs> on the campsite with or some creepy thing like that. And I was in charge of cleaning them. Yeah. Wow, go back to the arts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but they ended up shutting the base down, you know, when they were starting to tag all these low, lower volume bases, they started to shut them down. So that's pretty much how I moved on. I ended up in uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, I loved it. You talk about a culture all by yeah. itself, uh, Cajun food. Uh, you want life in your bowels? Cajun food is it. <laughs> Black and soft shell crabs and dirty rice. Oh, mm. dirty rice for sure. Yeah. Soft shell crabs, go to Maine for that one. Yeah. I love Maryland. I have relatives in Maryland that I, um, I see all, a lot. So, you know, I've traveled all around and I finally decided that, well, my mom was getting older, my dad was getting older, so I started kind of motivating back to the West Coast. And um, I, I was actually carrying my KD Crafts business, which was all bisquare, um, pretty much pottery. I did teach painting, watercolors, acrylics. I really enjoyed acrylics. So I was able to stop at festivals, get involved selling art, finding out what people liked. And I did more and more Sunday schooling, and I would do projects. Um, the Bible verses and stuff were okay, but when you deal with kids, you have to find out what they listen to. And clay and things to paint, things to draw, that, that's what grabbed their attention. Um, so I just kind of stayed there. I was, that was a comfort zone for a while. Um, and, and I think as you grow or as you move and transition from one thing in life to another thing in life, you find those. So I ended up coming all the way from Washington, D.C. 
to Mesquite to visit uh, a, a sister that I didn't know anything about. And um, I met my husband, Harlow. And Harlow is a retired um, war toy kind of thing. But he's uh, a draftsman. He's an engineer. So together, our creative nature went to building our cabins up in the woods. So we designed, site designed, five cabins, sold them off, and to pay for the next one, sold them off, pay for the next one. But to bring art into this, to make it more of my comfort zone, I had to teach Harlow art. He had the mechanical skills, and I had the creative skills, you know, don't make that blue. Everybody knows it's blue, make it green, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So Harlow and I worked really well together, really, really well. So that one blossomed. Right. Um, so we did build cabins, and in those cabins, we put um, handmade tiles that we created our own designs. I don't like doors, so if you can not put a door there, put an archway, make it so you can't see them sitting on the toilet, or you know, <laughs> those kind of things. So we designed a lot of features into our very first cabin. We put little um, squirrel and mouse feet tracks across our, our counter, and um, being that he's such a good engineer, uh, we started designing and having them built. And then I told him I was a plumber. <laughs> so, oh, no, don't yeah. ever, never tell anyone you're a plumber. Well, what happened she was. He told is, us. Yeah. yeah. You're in trouble now. Exactly. Well, he told me that he could be the electrician. So, again, we built the cabins. He was the electrician, I was the plumber. And so we just had the foundation work done. So it was just a life venture that he wanted to do and that we brought art into our living space that way. Uh, not just with colors, but with things that only pop up sometimes during the day. Right. You only see them once or twice because of the reflection where the sun came in. So that's why I think art is so important. It, it fulfills a place a lot of times that you didn't know was empty. Right. And it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, a lot of times it's trial and error. So for the most part, art helped me get through a lot of things that I didn't think I would. And what, what better way to do but to share it with somebody else that's coming up. Right. And, and you can relate. And that's why um, I joined the VBAA when I got here in 1997. And they had just been organized for about a year. And we were meeting in people's houses. There were probably 12 of us. And there was no building yet? No, You're gonna get no, to that. no, okay. no, uh -uh. This was years before the building. It was, last, it was last century, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we resorted to not just people's homes every once in a while, uh, is we actually met in the library, the old library when it was standing, in the church buildings. Um, we went to the rec center and sat in their little hard chair booths and, and just chat, chit-chatted. Um, so that was mostly what it was at first, is just kind of a, a group to get together and right. discuss art. Okay. Um, John Nyberg was our president of the group. Basically, we just gave him the title because mm -hmm. we weren't um, syndicated yet. We weren't incorporated. We were just a group. 
and between him and mm, if I was a little better prepared, I'd remember all of them, but they are posted in the art gallery as founding fathers to the group. Um, one of them, and again, I'm so excited doing this that I can't even remember the guy's name. He helped, we ran a contest to find out what our logo was gonna be. And he also developed the logo for HP. Um, and so we ran the contest with all kinds of things going on. And we were still planning small festivals. Um, John Nyberg taught uh, a classroom over in the old strip mall on Riverside uh, where a, a lot of them met and painted. And he was paid by um, the, uh, I guess, Clark County School District or something as a professor. So he was teaching a class there of oil painting. Well, um, again, just little by little, the group started to say, I think we can do this. So it, it grew from the five or six at a time to 12 to 20, and then we couldn't find a meeting place anymore. So I, I give it to Randy MacArthur, who was the final president that really made the push for a building. He would sit down with the, um, the city and say, we need to have culture in Mesquite and uh, it, it will grow from there. So he basically um, would just meet with the city personnel. And as soon as the land that the city owned um, was put in front of RDA funds, um, they had to make a decision you know, we need to do something with this land. So it was given to them to put a building on, and voila. In 2001, we opened the door. So now the, the cost for the building, was that covered then by this grant? By the RDA funds and city. Mm -hmm. and what does RDA stand for? Rural Development, blah. Okay, okay, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a grant that's uh, given to small communities for all of the development, like the theater group was under RDA funds. Um, the downtown location district for revamping and revitalizing was RDA funds. So the state does provide small communities funding for large projects. Yeah, the, the house that's there, the historic house that Elspeth's talking mm -hmm. about, that's down on the corner there, uh -huh. uh, across from um, uh, Maverick. That has a sign that says they've been trying to sell that for what? Oh, I have uh, seen that. Five yeah. years or mm -hmm. something, I think. Since there's we've all lived kinds here. of little it's, places. It says RDA funds available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a multiple of um, areas where you can um, request funds to spruce it up. But yeah, it's it was there, and Randy MacArthur took advantage of it and just he made his own plans for a mission style, but um, our I'm not sure how the, the process went, but they put it out for bid. And when they did that, they had a series of three to five different architects and their drawings. And so they didn't go for the mission style, but as you can see, City Hall is mission style. I love mission yeah. style. Yeah. Uh -huh. We ended up with um, value engineering. Comical word. Do you want copper cladding? No, it's too expensive. We're going to acid wash it, make it look that way. Oh, okay, that's why it looks the way it does. Mm -hmm. um, we were to have rammed earth. 
What does that for mean? the walls. It's a process in which they make a, um, a building from compression. Um, it, it's just a process for them to make rammed earth walls. No, we ended up with colored concrete with somebody's shoe prints up there. You know, about 20 feet up, you'll see them. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, now, that's like a scavenger. Okay, yeah. we're going to need that picture to put on the website, aren't we? Um, you know, the architecture did a fantastic drawing. And it was just through um, the funding that they had to scale back this, scale back that, scale back this. We didn't get really the proper windows. It didn't end up really being located for the best light. Um, and we, we pay the price. That's sure. okay. We do. Yeah. But we're very grateful that the city saw um, the potential that the group was going to provide. Um, and you probably didn't know that the Randy MacArthur was actually part of the Mesquite Arts Council for visual arts. Mesquite Arts Council was our umbrella long, long time ago. And the visual arts was under that umbrella. And the group decided that we were to split from the performing artist groups and become our own group. So in 2000, I think we put in the paperwork in 1999 to become a 501c3. Mm -hmm. And it, back then it took eight to nine months to, to be IRS certified for a charity. So it, was, it took a while to get it all together. Um, so it, it's just been a, a road leading to another road leading to another road. During my reign or during my time with the VBAA, I've been president um, probably four to six years of it, um, along with the rest of us. Now, you know, I, I stay as treasurer because it's not a hard job, it just nobody wants to do it. Well, you just know everything. You're amazing at it. Mm, no, like I said, I, that, that's the other fright feature. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing that it's not just the building, it's the people in it that really help. Um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed because I hear it from other community um, areas that I go to and visit. They'll talk. I hear them talking about what's going on at the art center, what's going on over here. So the, the word is out. Um, social media is doing a little better job. I'm kind of behind the times. I, I don't like the fuss. My eyesight's going. My, with my stroke, my pot's lean one way. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> but I'm glad that I did it. Well, so what I a legacy to leave. Very active in the art groups, and there's many art groups. Um, Jim Wilson, I kind of confunkled him one year at a benefit in the theater, and he just kind of stood up, and, and it's like catching fish, you know hook got set and Jim Wilson helped put together the Greater Mesquite Arts Foundation and that foundation was determined to be the art umbrella so that other small art groups would have some somebody to lean on somebody to grow in mm -hmm. and um, we fostered um, the youth program get smart with art um, and from there it, it just went to festivals they did the festivals. Mesquite Arts Council did it for many years. Um, it turned from jazz festival to 
something else, and then it became the VVAA actually did it for four years. Um, the Greater Mesquite Arts Foundation did it for four years. There's not a lot of money in it unless the sponsors really come through, and that's really what holds it up. So the art venue like that just kind of went away. The chamber, I think, did a um, one year and plus their Oktoberfest. And, you know, we're all getting old. We can't do this anymore. <laughs> so when you say festival, does that mean um, booths, kind of like an art festival oh, yes. as well? Yes. Oh, we we had need to bring that back. Chilean Arts Festival. We ran the contest to get the logo. Um, the VVAA also um, started the group for um, cowboy poetry. Um, now, the, is that still a thing? It, it's still a thing, but is it's it? not cowboy poetry as you know it. Um, it's They call it the Western Roundup, okay. and they're now with the Virgin Valley Theater Group. Oh. Um, okay. We kept them, um, after we got the group started, I think, the VVAA kept them for about three or four years, and we produced the Hootenanny. <laughs> okay, now tell us about the Hootenanny. <laughs> the Hootenanny was a theatrical view to poetry, Western-style poetry. And we got some big names down. We rented, uh, we rented the theater and had, uh, you know, just the, uh, it's, a, it's a weird name, but we did the theatrical end to it. But when you recite poetry in a Western way, there's really no theatrics to it. It's the chanting, it's the way it's presented. Um, and some of them just did not want to be actors. So we put away the spotted horses and the, the old, you know, cliches, and it just became, um, you know, the Western Roundup. Mm -hmm. They did the Western music, they had the um, art, the poetry so it, it grew into what they wanted as a group mm -hmm. and so the VVAA said okay great you know you've gotten this far you're going out on your own so be it so uh, there there went the hoot nanny but the belly dancers you should have seen them in I the would, gallery I would love to see that we belly didn't... dancers at a hoot nanny huh? well belly dancers this is all part of facets of the VVAA you know we experimented to to see what was there and as presenters, you can um, host things. Um, Mesquite Arts Council went into more children's theater. They had their own little repertoire of things that they did. The Virgin Valley Theater Group, which again came out of Mesquite Arts Council, they went on just to theater arts. So they do more stage performances and things. Um, I stayed with their group as their secretary treasurer for a couple of years, um, along with Harlow. Um, helped them renovate the old auditorium to the theater it is today. And the theater group is just doing a fabulous job in keeping performance arts alive. And, and the VVA is concentrating more about visual arts. So let's go back to visual arts. You know, let's, let's stay there. And that's pretty much where I went back to. Um, and, and along with the program of Get Smart. A um, couple of years after Get Smart got going, we started Stay Smart. Mm -hmm. And it was more critique session because here you're working with older adults and they never need any help. They know what they're doing. 
but they'll show up to a critique just to find out what you don't like. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, but they were beneficial. They helped others in the room learn what's wrong with my painting? Why can't I get it right? I'm not gonna do this anymore if I can't get it right. Well, attitudes of visual arts is always, um, you know, if you look at it and you like it, there's a reason why. But if you look at it and you don't like it, there's the other reason why. So, you know, visual arts, I think, has more problems mm -hmm. because we try to cater to everybody. They do. And when the VVAA said, well, um, we had a specific uh, request at one of our fundraisers where we had uh, millions of stuff for sale, uh, somebody stood up in the room and again, if I had figured this out, I, I probably would have had the name, but um, she stood up and she says, we don't have a pottery studio. How much money do you think we need to have to, ha to open up a pottery studio so that people can learn how to work in clay? And um, a rough estimate came up as, oh, maybe we need $8,000, you know, just to get it started. The person in the room stood up and said, here's my 4000 the rest wow. of the group came up with the rest of it. We raised $8,000 to set up a pottery studio. And just like that. Just like, like that. Wow. So the city had either just acquired the old campus, so there were we knew a lot of rooms, mm -hmm. and other than just saying we need to have their old art room, which we got their so old art room. Yeah. That's where the pottery studio is. And we okay. found a little kiln in there. And it's a great space. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, it's a big space. It is a big space. But they, they had all kinds of art in there. They had photography um, upstairs. They had a photo booth um, and a dark room where they would teach it. And they had the light room up, up the flight of stairs, which none of us old people want to go up there. Right. Um, but I trained them how to go backwards. You know, <laughs> go backwards up the stairs and forward down. So, uh, you know, the, the room's being used for quite a bit. Uh, and the pottery studio, I made a deal with um, a manufacturer to get six wheels. And um, we basically took in anybody's old kiln. You know, I could make it work. Harlow, being a, as much of an electrician as a plumber as I was, we made it work. <laughs> so we had two really um, ugly, awful, Donated kilns, but again, it got us started. And they right. worked, huh? Yeah, right. uh-huh. And through fundraising, through, um, you know, just making sure that we had money to save, uh, the VBAA allowed me to buy all six wheels uh, and get it started. And we paid the city uh, rent on that building. We paid to have uh, one room kind of refurbished so it'd have outlets for all the wheels because they are electric. Um, we considered kick wheels, but again, we get older, these oh, these yeah. parts don't work anymore. Yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd rather hire a doggone squirrel to come in. I was just gonna say, mine would be going really slow. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, it, it got there. And um, in 2004 is when we opened pottery studio for the VVAA to allow those that wanted um, not just a bucket list some some people we got in there said I've never done this before what do you do and I says well just slow down either throw it at the wall or on the floor because that's a safe place 
Um, we just had a really good time in getting people going on um, that type of art, mm -hmm. is creating something from nothing. Right, and anyone can do it. Like yes. the hand building, my gosh, mm -hmm. it's so fun. So since 2004, we've been operating a pottery studio. Um, it has been on a bucket list of a lot of people, and it was late in their life that they found out that this is not only a lot of fun, it's very calming, soothing, um, and you can get your aggressions out on some of these things. Uh, it's just a way that you can, as an individual, find that creative side to you. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, perfect. Uh, I, I don't believe in perfect because then you're just got to be dead. Right. You know? Well, then you can go perfect. buy it. That's what I always think. Yeah. If you want perfect, then go to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> well, our, our cliche over there is you want perfection, you go to Walmart. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. I want to know it's handmade. Yes. I want to know your finger was there right. and it made a dimple or yep. made a scratch. And I have a piece of your, your a little bit of your life right here because mm -hmm. you spent time on this. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It may have taken me three days to make right. it, but you know. <laughs> Had what? a lot of swear words. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we learn a new language. <laughs> right. So, real quick, uh, tell us about the store. That's okay, attached. the art store came on a little bit later because as we started to increase in volume of people over in the pottery studio, we needed to have those supplies available. Actually, um, it used to be called Area 51, except it wasn't 51, it was 31 because that was the building number. Um, like so that. room 30 is the pottery classroom area and room 31 is what we turned into our little art store. But that started out being the painters of the group of VVAA members. That's where they went to go and paint and socialize. And we had, you know, these art and pottery sales and just out of those two little rooms. So it, it grew, but it became our inventory for pottery, um, drawing any of the teachers could um, you know request can you have these supplies over here and I'll just send my people there instead of them you know going to all the way to St. George or wherever to get art supplies so we carry minimal amount of art supplies for the um, drawing class painting classes and things like that so weren't you uh, a little short of uh, or having a hard time getting clay just recently um, well, with the pandemic, a lot of things shut down. Um, one of our manufacturers to clay had a, um, an injury. A man fell into the mixer and he was a new employee, um, was wearing his safety harness, but still fell inside and so they had to shut down. Oh, wow, that's the that's recipes, terrible. just like a cake recipe for anything that we do when you buy pre-made uh, is that some of the recipe requires some pretty healthy ingredients and if you're not getting it from Alaska and say get it from Mexico sources um, it, it acts different you know feldspar ball clay um, different fluxes they all have their grades so we we did we, we sh couldn't get any clay for a long time until they figured out what the market can bear Otherwise, we'd be priced out, you know. Right now, we're spending um, almost a dollar a pound for clay, and, so. And I know it's, it's, a, it's quite the number that you bring in every month of pounds that you haul in there. What? Well, um, that's, again, it's one of the things I personally like to give back mm -hmm. is my support. 
and because I'm not wealthy, I don't have a pension, I'm living on Social Security, so is Harlow, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, he, he makes less than $10,000 a year in pension. So I think we live quite lavishly. Um, I, I did take all his money, and I have it stored. <laughs> in a coffee can in the backyard. <laughs> uh, actually, no, it's with Schwab, okay. and they're doing real well. Probably a little safer. <laughs> so um, there, there's a lot of things that we like to do and that we know we can afford to do. And, and going, I, I have a really nice um, Ram uh, Pro City van but I call it my truck. And so we hop in the truck and we go up to St. George and we pick up, you know, 800, 900 pounds of clay. Um, Harlow right now is not able to do that anymore. Um, so it takes a little more effort for, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go up there, I get the clay and I bring it back and it's gotta come from the, from the store to the truck and right. from the truck to the store, so. That's a big day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's arm day. It is, and, and sometimes I'm still okay with that. You know, I, I'm a very strong person. I've been in fields that required you to pick up and move quite a bit of um, equipment around, so I'm used to that. It's just, now I'm just a little older and sure. I just take my time You more. need to call us, we yeah. can help you. So I do get all of the supplies that are in the store, either by going to get it or by um, online sales, so. I have to say, I, I, anyone out there who hasn't been in the store needs to go. It's just amazing, and how lucky are we to have that resource? Because if we didn't have that, there's really no other place. I mean, you can see there's a few supplies at Walmart, but you're heading 45 minutes to St. George. Yeah. I think I, I don't know everything that's in there, but you know, a lot of the glazes and different tools you couldn't get here locally, and so I think it's great. And we, yeah. Yeah, but Amazon with their immediate, you know, output, sure. you know, right. you can get it pretty, pretty quick. Right. So I don't dwell on that. I don't care where you get your supplies. Uh, funny story. Um, lady comes into the pottery studio and she says, look what I got from Amazon. There must be 40 tools in here. And I said, well, you only need two of them. What are you going to do with the rest of them? <laughs> you know, you have to learn to use tools. Right. And, you know, tools are only your friend if you know how to work them. Right. So... It's just one of the things. So real quick, I know Harlow is or was a, a potter, is that right? Oh gosh, no, Harlow was never a potter. Oh, I thought he was, okay. No, uh-uh. I had to convince him he wanted to do it. Okay, oh, so he and, did participate. Uh, we did. When, when I finally moved here with all my baggage, <laughs> I told Harlow, I says, um, I'm not gonna teach you how to do this. We are going to, get in a class together. I'll sit at one end and he can sit at the other end. And so we did. Um, Aardvark Clay and Supplies was in Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, that, my parents both lived there. So we could go down there for classes and have a place to stay and it wouldn't break the handbook. So um, he learned that way. Uh, we took the class for six weeks and he learned how to be a really good potter. Um, He's got different kind of hands, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of times if you're a wheel person, um, the hands are it. You know, you have okay. to communicate. Your hands have to do what you want it to do. Um, otherwise, I don't think he really um, did any hand building. We put things together. Um, 
and sometimes it would require some hand building, but most of it was wheel. So he learned that way and doesn't do it much anymore. He, he was one of our teachers, so um, it's interesting when somebody signs up for a class, um, they don't usually ask about the instructors. So I kind of caution them. I says, um, well, are you going to like a man instructor or do you want a woman instructor? And at, at first they say, oh, I don't care. Well, we're both there just in case. <laughs> and, it, and people do migrate to teachers that, um, that fill their comfort zone. Sure. So we, we just let it ride. So we were both pottery teachers once Harlow got trained and felt comfortable in teaching core. So we teach a lot of core. And um, what does that mean, core? Um, a core to any art creative venture, I believe, is knowing sometimes what the rules are mm -hmm. so that you can break them later. Okay. Um, and we all push the envelope. So core in pottery wheel is know how to take a square lump of clay and make it round. And other than positioning arms and legs and stature, um, the clay is soft enough that you can put it where you want it. So that's all you have to do is learn the right muscles. You know, you do build certain strength in muscles, and guys do it better because they already have chest muscles. They have a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, women, nah, not so much. You know, it's, oh, is that enough? Is that enough? No, uh, no, you <laughs> gotta put grin it and bear it, yes. you know? Uh, so th there's a lot of grunting and groaning <laughs> over that one, but. Which, which takes me, when you're doing that, you make a mistake? There are no mistakes. Okay. No mistakes. No mistakes, no. Uh-uh. It's, you want it clay, if, though. If, Think if, about if, it. You know, I was gonna say, and you're gonna answer this one. Uh -huh. So I, I don't need to take that clay and throw it away because I can wet it and rework it. Is you can, it? yeah. And, and that's, that's another horror story, you know. In a class that I usually teach for core, um, the very first project you learn how to build is centering the clay and opening the clay. And the, it's natural for the clay to actually move in a bowl shape. If it doesn't do that, you're doing something wrong because it naturally goes there. And um, the fright zone is, is that if you actually get a bowl, um, I tell them they have to cut it in half. And, and there's, they light up because I actually made something and now you want me to cut it in half? So when you say cut it in half? I physically cut it in half. So vertically? Yes. Oh, so they ouch. see the bottom of it, the sides of it the top of it. I'll get you now, yeah. If you don't connect, um, because my next trip is, is that they'll make the same thing again, but blindfolded. You have to teach yourself that the hands are doing the work that you're training them to do. And visually, you get the practice, so you connect. But when you cut that vision, you still have to perform. So. A lot of this teaching is what I always teach, is learn what your medium can do for you. And if you can't do it blindfolded, then you keep working on it. Because it, it's not just the physical sense, is how it makes you feel. You know, pottery's not all that easy. Every clay has a different recipe. 
Some might be grittier than others. Some might move as, you know, like porcelain. Uh, porcelain is uh, a mixture of ground uh, enamel, basically, and bone material, tooth of a whale. So it feels very buttery in your fingers. Mm -hmm. um, and we have quite a few people that just can't get it. So the other venture is to work in clay first until you understand how to push it and find out its limits. And that's hand building. Mm -hmm. Hand building, you learn uh, with both forms, you learn a new language. And once you learn that language, you can talk to any potter. They know exactly where you're at, what you're doing. And if you're having difficulty, it's easier to explain what to do sure. and how to get yourself out of problem areas. Hey, so Kay, now mm -hmm. I, I find it interesting that, that you make them do it blindfolded. So I think about art and it's visual, but do you have any sight impaired um, yes. folks? Yes, I, I work with, um, through the, uh, since I think it was from like 2005 or six to about 2008, we worked with handicapped adults. Some of them had um, uh, vision issues. Some of them had hand coordination issues, but it's the feel of that clay that puts a smile on their face. Um, color is always over here, but actually creating something from your own hands is, is quite priceless, uh, e even if it looks like crap, you know? Well, for them it would. How does it feel? It probably feels beautiful. Yeah. And, and so that's part of what I think art is, is if you can't smell it, see it, taste it, hear it, then you haven't experienced all of it yet. So keep going. So I don't, I don't want you to taste the clay. I can already tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> you can definitely I've already smell been it there. though. It definitely has a distinctive smell. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Harlow and I, um, we had a neighbor that brought up clay from the Bunkerville Bridge. He just went under the bridge and dug up. You got to go down a little far, um, about a foot and a half into the ground under the bridge. But they have this beautiful feeling clay down there. Really? And so they brought me, oh, I don't know, 10 pounds of it. And uh, it doesn't have elasticity to it. So that's one of the ingredients that manufacturers put in there for its elasticity. So it didn't stretch. So I did make five projects. Um, uh, the plate split in half because again, oh, it did bad. not like to be under tension. Uh, the bowl uh, looked like a potato chip after I fired it because again, <laughs> there, there was nothing in there to relieve the clay from hardening um, because it remembers you're going around in circles. The clay actually builds platelets and it goes in a direction. And you put unknown stress on clay that way. And when it's fired, it means that you drive all the water out of it and you make it more stable to paint. It remembers. Clay has a better memory than I do most of the time. So it knows where it was last. So it contorts that way. So it was a lot of fun working with that clay, but I didn't get much out of it unless I mixed it with other ingredients to help me make it manageable. So oh, I it think it's, it's just gotta feel great to be able to go and say, I got this, I did this, I, yeah. I collected it myself. And I think that would be a fantastic feeling. Like, you know, I'm a, 
painter and I've always thought it would be kind of neat to you know go out and get pigments different ochres or whatever and, mm -hmm. and try and learn to make my own paints how great would that be so I sure. think yeah yeah I th I th yeah I think it gets you a little bit closer to your medium too of okay now I really understand elas mm -hmm. elasticity and you know different things like that and even looking really at it with one eye you know if you blindfold yourself can you create artwork you certainly can because a lot of it, if you don't sense movement, you may not be as fluid in an art form, but you can still produce art. Mm -hmm. um, crumbled paper is one of the most fascinating ones, as you can crumble paper and lay it out and crumble it again and lay it out, rip it up without even looking at it. Right. And the texture changes. Yes, absolutely. So uh, art has a feel to it. And it has a smell to it. It definitely has a sight to it. And what about hearing now? How, how do you hear art? Well, that gets down to a lot of truth serum to me. If you're going to listen to art without looking at it, without tasting it, then you need to listen to it. So art changes when, it, when you hear it. And, and you really have to know that music is art. And that art through music produces a visual. And that visual you take as an artist to create a visual piece of art. Gives me goosebumps. I, I was just going to say that, that was beautiful. <laughs> I like that. So, uh, you know, the visions of art and what the VBAA can do to help Others experience it is provide a lot of classroom stuff, provide step-by-step um, -step maybe, uh, and, and I see that some of the instructors do that. They have a beginner level, you know, and, and I like bringing Stay Smart back because Stay Smart with Art was only done at Highland Manor. Um, between three people, myself included, we kept that going at Highland Manor for years until we produced enough definite um, changes in people's attitudes that they got finally a, um, what do they call them, a recreation therapist or something oh, yeah. mm -hmm. to actually do more art projects. And um, it was a time when the VBAA started this and after many years of it said well we need to bring it back to the art gallery we don't want this program just for the folks at Highland Manor so it, we, we did break it off at Highland Manor with good results they kept the art programs going we were always there to help but we brought Stay Smart back into our neck of the woods because we knew we had a growing membership and being more uh, adult-like instead of um, youth. It was, it was just another way to help those that wanted to pick up art in their later life. Yeah, or, or continue. Yeah. You know, we had uh, my beloved aunt, and she eventually is in a nursing home and everything, and she was a florist, and she put floral arrangements together. Mm -hmm. And then she went in the nursing home and, you know, nothing, and, and it killed her. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have killed her, but you know, we would go down, we'd take her on the back porch, she'd point across the street, this is in Sedona, I'd walk over and pick out everything she needs, and 
would come back to her wheelchair and, and she would make us a little bookcase. And it was sad that, that there was nothing there for her yeah. like oh, that. Yeah. So what you did at Highland Manor, yeah. yeah well, precious. what the VBAA did yeah. was to tell them that, you know, art is very important to keeping mental health. Yeah. You know, um, when we do these kids' classes, uh, and Stay Smart kind of grew into something a little bit different because Stay Smart was pottery also, uh, not just drawing and paintings and those kind of things, um, but because of the way the grants were written, we had to separate them. And um, I don't mean to badmouth the VBAA, but they didn't like the pottery mess in the classroom. So that's where we kind of split off. And so I do the pottery classes only during the summer um, when the other Get Smart activities are, are not going. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's a lot to offer. Um, I like that we keep them separate because I think the kids, they learn differently when you have to create three-dimensional instead of two-dimensional. And uh, it, it's just another facet, and I'm glad we can offer it. Um, so I just keep it going. Oh, I think it's just such a great resource for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, I have adults wanting to get into the kids, kids classes. Well, I actually yeah. kind of looked at the clay for money. I looked at it and thought, <laughs> oh, I think I'd like to do this again. Yeah. Well, so will you tell a little bit more about that program for the kids in summer? Well, uh, it, it only comes around summer. Sometimes I get good information. Sometimes I get kind of bad information about how to schedule it. We used to have it starting right after school ended. And then it quit just before school started. And I found that the volume of kids um, didn't show up right after school ended because they needed a break. Right. They, they really didn't want yet. to sit in a classroom yeah, situation, <laughs> even if it was throwing mud, right. you know. So um, I just catered it to when I thought the kids would like it. So we ended up just doing um, June, July, and August. Well, now the schedules change. They get out of school in May. Uh, some of them are so bored that they want something in June. I didn't have it ready. So, and, and it's because of the clay issue. I didn't know if I was going to get clay. Uh, so I started making my own clay just in case. So, uh, and, and we use paper clay for the kids. They can spit on it and it sticks. So tell us what that is. Paper, paper clay. clay is um, clay-based. Um, it's usually clay talc. Uh, and paper pulp. Anybody can make paper clay. So now do you make that for them or do you buy it now if you can? Well I, I order it and okay. if it comes in in time then we do. Otherwise we use a porcelain based one that okay. they're used to. Okay. But most of the time I like paper clay. Uh, the kids like making things that are small and pottery clay doesn't hold up when it's that small. Mm -hmm. So you know I've had it on order since January and I'm, I really got my fingers crossed, but like I said, I, I do have other clays that, that we'll be using. But I like to think that the projects, and I get with all my instructors that want to work with kids, and again, not all of them do, so I get with them and, and I introduce ideas, and I said, this is what we did last year, um, what projects worked, and, and so there's quite a community for kids' art with pottery. Mm -hmm. And once that decision is made, then I just have to find the schedule. 
well, somebody said the school got out in May, so I really didn't have anything available until July, which I, I did in the years past. We started right after the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. Let everybody get their vacations, and then the kids come twice a week. And um, it, it's kind of a make and take, but the take part is a week late. Okay. <laughs> so you don't, do you fire any of their stuff? Oh, absolutely. Do you? Okay. They, they work with the raw clay. They create. They create whatever their fish wants to be. If it's a mean fish or a funny fish or a happy fish, that's what they do. I don't, I just say, here's the pattern. You give it mustaches or you give it big lips, little lips, open mouth, whatever the case may be. This is your fish. Um, colors, they color the second day. So they actually create it the first day they're there and it's from one to three. So the projects aren't overwhelming, but they do learn math. They learn how to measure. Um, when we did cabin building, we had to know our logs had to be four inches long. So they had to know how to use a ruler, how to cut them, how to make an e them equal. So I teach a lot of math when it comes to these. And it, it gets kids really riled up because um, most of them don't use a ruler, right? You know, so well, and you're slipping we don't in a little bit. Of, yeah, you're slipping in a little bit of school during absolutely the off time, and that's I think that's great. Um, and and we work with the pizza pie a lot. You know, um, if we're going to make a pizza, then how do we determine how big it is? Well, an eight inch eight inch pizza will make how many squares? And then you get told a pizza's not square. Well, mine is when I order it. <laughs> so, you know, it's getting out of the box too. Right. So they have a lot of fun learning. And if there's a project they really get done quickly, um, I don't just let them sit there. Sometimes they'll bring a snack and they'll snack. But what I have upstairs, and I'm always looking for um, anybody that has styrofoam corners or chunks or pieces, because in our off time, we're usually doing a hangman game. And it's only from the vocabulary that we learn in class. Because again, they're learning the language of being a clay artist. Right. And so we use hangman game on the board. Um, but at times, I'll bring this big wad of pieces of styrofoam. And again, if you've ever seen the corners to furniture that the protector, mm -hmm. it's a it's a really neat corner, mm -hmm. but it makes a good foundation when you're building up. And I give them toothpicks and I say, I need a high rise. And I put kids together, um, two or three of them at a time in a table. And I says, from these little pieces, build me a high rise. It has to stand by itself. So you have to figure out where these toothpicks have to go to hold up this building. We get some amazing sculptures out of styrofoam and toothpicks. Well, and then they have to learn physics too. Yes. You know, are the toothpicks going to be enough to hold up mm -hmm. everything you put on? And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of things we do outside of just creating and pottery. Right. But the first day is always build it. So our first project is going to be a fish. It's not really a wind chime because nothing clacks together. Mm -hmm. It's just your catch of the day. So they learn how to make the fish bones, um, put a hole through it because it does hang. Um, 
and then they color it the second day with glazes. Mm -hmm. And they learn about it. They don't just sit there and paint it. They learn what the glazes are. So um, I usually don't have any problems with eight-year-olds, but they think if you mix all the colors together, you get a rainbow. <laughs> nope. You get mud. <laughs> no, mud. you get mud. You get, yeah, this real ugly-looking color. Well, so they're they used do. to going to 7-Eleven. Are there any 7-Elevens here? And doing the different Slurpees. Oh, yeah. And so oh, my yeah. kids would pull different Slurpees. <laughs> so, and it would always terrible. look like, oh, you're going to drink that? Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh -huh. yeah. We all taste the same. Yeah. yeah. But, and again, it's one of those visual things is you see it on a, uh, like a catalog, this color red. You're painting it on and it doesn't look anything like red. And I said, it has to go through a firing process. You've got a recipe for chocolate cake, and it doesn't look like chocolate cake until you bake it, right? It's the same way the glazes. The glazes don't look right until you bake it. Right. So it, everything gets finished. And so after they pretty much glaze coat everything, I have to let it dry. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be dry before it goes into an oven. And it's usually ready for them if they come back next week or at least, um, you know, like if their classes are on Wednesdays and Thursdays from one to three, then their pieces are actually finished on Sunday. Wow. And uh, if they're not on Sunday, then, then they can pick it up when they come in next time if they're coming to class to class. And that's usually what happens, is um, the same person will sign up for every single one. Uh, we do have homeschooled, and, and I, I understand that school starts the second week in August, and that's where I failed you know, to have enough days uh, available. But I have homeschooled kids. So they can pick up the same projects in the month of August because we do the same projects um, in both months. And I've had them come back for both times because they either didn't like it the first time or somebody got it or they gave it away, you know, so they want to make another one. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just another way to let the kids create something. What do they pay for that? Um, well, it, it kind of goes and comes because one year I had all of it paid for by grants okay. and the grants paid for um, all the supplies and so they didn't have to pay anything. Um, and it really wasn't teaching a value to the kids so um, and to some parents that were just looking for somebody to babysit their right. kids for a while. Yeah. So. Um, again, conversing with the VVAA, we put a dollar amount of, I think it was $10 to subsidize whatever that was. And then I had other people coming and saying, well, I have neighbors and um, they have their grandkids coming down for the summer. Can they come? And I go, well, sure, you know, they'll come in. So this year it is a $20 um, because we have no available grant money. Um, and the $20 pretty much pays the instructors. Um, the instructors get paid uh, for the week, uh, their two days. So they get $100. So we really don't make any money over it. Um, the supplies are what's costing us right now. Everything is tripled. I used to pay $7.50 for 25 pounds of clay. Now I'm paying. Eight, uh, uh, 1975 and I charged 24 in the store Wow! so as everything goes up but still I think I can manage you know uh, I 
and that's I guess my other venue is not just the kids' classes, but running a pottery studio and having enough surplus in the end so it doesn't put a hardship on the BBAA's general fund. Mm -hmm. um, I am self-sufficient, um, and Lord knows I couldn't do it without the volunteers either. Right. Um, and it, it just survives. Right. Oh, very popular. And I have to say, going back to the kids, um, and I'm just going to put myself in their position. I didn't take any pottery until I was in high school, but I just thought the entire process, it was magic. Here you have a color of clay, and, and then you, you, know, you finish it, you put it on the shelf, and a few days later you come back, and it's bisque, or no, is it greenware? I can't remember. <laughs> There's it's bisque greenware. and, okay, greenware, and it's a different color. And then you have your first firing, and it comes out a completely different color, and it's hard. And then you do the glazing, and that's just magic. Because like you said, these glazes, you know, what you're putting on isn't indicative of what the color is going to be. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was like Christmas Day to come in after, you know, the, the teacher fired. And I, I would just get so excited to go see, A, did it survive the kiln? Or did mm -hmm. I have a blow up? And B, what, I, what are my drips going to look like? And I just, I think there's magic in it. Yeah. I think that would be really fun for, uh, for a kid. A, a good name for it is artistry. Because these kids, because they keep cutting programs out of schools, they don't have a pottery anymore. Right. And they don't know how to create anything. Uh, so th there's really no pressure on them. I don't really care what it looks like. Um, and they get better every year. Mm -hmm. and, and it's always, a it, that's the truth serum. When you're trying to teach somebody, they have to be comfortable. I don't have to like it, I don't have to do anything with it, but I want them comfortable. And that's usually what I ask the kids. They learn a lot, they learn a ton of things. And um, in Get Smart, instead of doing the pottery clay, we did pastry. We made things in pastry. So they got to take it home and bake it. And I said, if you really don't like it, when you finish baking it and icing it, then eat it. <laughs> You know, what could be more fun than right. to make something and say, I'm just going to eat you up. Right. <laughs> Love it. And you fire it right there and be instant gratification. Yeah. Well, that's why I have several little ovens now. So if we ever do another pastry, um, the kids physically can't. They can eat their own artwork. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I never would have thought to do that. Yeah. We make um, uh, heavy cinnamon ornaments where they can... They, they actually make their own day dough and uh, roll it out and cut with cookie cutters. And the beauty of having cinnamon is they're, they're air fresheners. Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand from a couple of the kids that we did this with, the Get Smart kids at that time, um, is I have a dog house. Well, this, can I put this in a dog house? <laughs> I said, so you got to know if the dog's going to like it or not. Yeah, so, or they're going to eat it. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. Absolutely. I mean, the list just keeps going and going, especially with kids. They're so eager to eat it up. Oh, yeah. And they want to learn and learn and get their hands dirty. Yeah. That's what I think is so great about clay, too, is it, they are just manipulating it. And, and it's almost how, you know, a little bit of a mud feel. And so in, normally it's, you know, out in, the, out in their garden or whatever, making mud pies. But mm -hmm. this is, this is sanctioned mud that you get to play with. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have quite the apron you <laughs> sure. know, collection, too. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, they, they get dirty. 
they get really nice and dirty. And I, then they don't get yelled at when they get home exactly. about being dirty because they sent them to be dirty. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that's that right. a, a great resource around here. Well, I'm just glad that the, the VVAA kind of went out on a limb, mm -hmm. you know, for that. Right. Because when somebody says uh, to a group of artists, and most of them are two-dimensional, uh, they very seldom, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, they very seldom think to the three-dimensional side. Right. Um, in the studio, we, we don't just have pottery classes in there. There's basket classes in there. Doreen Kincaid teaches her basket classes in there. Oh, okay. So the building's being used for other than pottery. Um, yeah, they have to kind of put up with the dust that clay makes and the smells and things like that, but it all works. Three-dimensional art is could be just about anything these days. It could. Mm -hmm. So are you going to tell me that the honorable mention that I just saw in this last exhibition, Purple People Leader, did that come from your... Oh, that wasn't an honorable mention. That was a oh, emerging, emerging artist. That's right. That's right. Um, the honorable mention went to um, Kathleen Burke Holt's uh, 100 Pounds of Clay. Oh, and I saw that, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, I, I used to sing that tune, that song about 100 Pounds of Clay for a lot of years. <laughs> and uh, it's it just one of those things when, when two-dimensional artists or a committee gets together, they need to have the whole broad spectrum as to, uh, to challenge an artist to make things. And sometimes the themes don't conjure up anything. Right. But this one definitely did. And I'm actually working on two pieces for the abandoned places yeah. that are Ooh, very untraditional. I'm yeah. excited to see them. Out of clay. Out of clay. I'm totally out of that. clay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So. And we won't ask you to reveal anything. <laughs> well, I, I don't often because, you know, half of doing art is the process of thinking of what you would create. Um, the theme, and, and I, I hate traditional things. I don't really hate them, but I just think it's an easy way out. And it's boring. It can be boring. Yeah, it can. And, and it also could be a memory lane kind of thing. Sure. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an abandoned place. Mm -hmm. Well, what does nature do? What does nature help reclaims. us with? It, it not only reclaims it, but it lets us find it. So I found a cave. Interesting. That's a good one. I think. Yeah. Because yeah. we've been talking quite a bit about abandoned places, and and I'm thinking of something well, not related to a cave, but but more nature. And because the word abandoned to me conjures a kind of a lonely almost a little bit depressing we you know if you really think about oh that no we need to sweeten you up my dear <laughs> well no and I've come up so I really wanted to make it you know what is a, a positive abandoned place or or a maybe chrysalis. yeah exactly and I, I and have some things do you and I have mine's not that but it's similar mm -hmm. and because there 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 can be good mm -hmm. things how you know, about a, a nest full of eggshells yeah you know it, right. it's you know, art, art does. If you happen to have a sad month, I, I, I would definitely encourage you to make that sad piece and get it out of your system yeah. and then find something else. Right. But you know what? I like that. Mm -hmm. 
art touches a lot of people that come into the art gallery. That's why you can never say no to something. Um, even if it takes time to create it, and, and clay is one of those, is it can bust. It can, it can yeah. bust, it can blow up, like you say. Yeah. It could do a lot of things. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> but for me to come out and, and dwell on um, it, it being gone, I, I'm glad that I actually thought of something that was so untraditional. I said, is somebody going to look at my artwork and think, wow, she, she really had to dig deep for this one because right. I wouldn't have thought about exactly. it. Exactly. So I, I like that we challenge the artists. Um, and I have to pat myself on the back because I'm the one that started these theme things. I was just going to ask you that. Yes. Who came up with that? Because I think they're amazing. I and they only I ran it. during the summer months <gasps> because really? we lost so many people because of snowbirds or, or things like that that there was nobody around. So I thought, what better way could we keep and stimulate um, the artists to say, hey, keep can going. you paint something? It doesn't have to be you know big or small or whatever, but to a theme. So to go from a um, a display of artwork to a competition artwork is quite quite a venture. Right. It's so exciting. It, I think it is. It too. definitely is. It is. Well, so now, uh, before we started the you know the competition exhibition all year long or most of the months, what what was there? So you said the the themes were just in the, the summer, and then what was the rest of the months? It was just membership art. Okay. It, and did they stay longer than a month? Could it or was no, it change over? It was pretty much every month, because. Like again, we sold artwork, mm -hmm. and as soon as something would sell, it, other things would come up. So it, it was just, again, when you sit down at a, a board meeting and try to decipher how to make money, mm -hmm. you don't always want to take it from your members. So uh, to have these competitions be expressed more, say, public, you mm -hmm. know, come join us. Right. And, and so there's, other monies that we can gather other than our own. Plus, getting the sponsors to help, we could give money back. Right. So it one led to another that led to another. So I'm quite pleased. Um, sometimes I think the dilemma now is that we have so many themed competitions and so many different mediums in that competition that um, we want to make sure people feel comfortable that it's being judged fairly. Sure. So how do you judge a photograph from a hand-painted artwork? Well, you don't, really. I mean, it's quite simple. It's only to be judged on the theme. Right. Did the artist interpret a theme that you liked? It's not, is it a good photograph, or is it a good oil painting, or whatever the case may be. It's how did the artist create something to this crazy, wacky theme we put in front of them? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the joy I see. I, I really don't look at a photography um, or a photograph any different than I would at a hand-painted um, article. I, I don't, not when it comes to these themed events. But if you should label a competition strictly for photography or strictly for oils, then it's up to the VVAA to find the appropriate judge that can truly cre uh, critique um, those art elements. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, there's a big difference, and, and I, I want people just to have some fun. Right. How, are the, how are the judges chosen? But more important than that is how are the judges, what are their instructions, what are their orders? And I, I think you just told us. I do. To, to go with the theme. Yes. So, you know, that's why it's open to so many different mediums. Um, and because it, the building says fine arts on it, I, I, I think it scares a lot of people away. It's more of a agree. community gallery to help those artists that really want to just use us as a stepping stone. There, there's so much more to offer an artist when they want to be an artist. Um, so uh, we are a stepping stone and we're making sure that they know it by the way we produce our competitions and our, our, our art lectures and things like that is we're trying to help them grow. Mm -hmm. And to help them grow sometimes means that we gotta, you know, kind of bend over once in a while right. and, and do some extraordinary things. And I think these themed events, um, again, when I started it, uh, it, it was always done that way. And we keep a judge's pool. Uh, and the judges are usually professors, art professors from colleges, schools, um, and uh, it, it's not really being judged on uh, the profession of art, if, if you put it. Mm -hmm. it. It's put on just strictly the creativityness of an artist. So it, it can be abstract to the point and it's just merely allowing a person to come in that's way over here that doesn't have to be a connoisseur of art, but might understand uh, art components. Mm -hmm. and, and as we learn professionally, we learn there's components to putting together art. So that's usually some of the criteria is just to make sure they have something that they've done before, even if it's you know, a beauty contest. Um, I have been a judge in so many national uh, ceramics uh, competitions that it's, it's hard to, to differentiate uh, from a theme. And that's why I, I really like it so much is because you don't have to think. You just have to look, visually look, and, and determine whether or not the artist captured something that amazed you or was tradition. So it goes back to the theme. Maybe we need to make the themes harder. You know? So there, there's a lot of components to it, but our judge pool is um, a lot of times just uh, an educator. So yeah. And I gotta tell you, I, I like coming in on Mondays after everything's hung, okay? And I have to first get over that I'm a loser, okay? And I didn't win, <laughs> so, although I did one time. Um, but then I get to look at all the themes Right. And of course, like this coming up is let your dreams fly. I know what I'm putting up. I'm putting up airplanes. It's an amazing okay? picture. Too. But you know what? That's I, I, everybody else. How they see let your dreams fly mm -hmm. is incredible. Mm -hmm. okay? you, well, you, you well, take a nature there, walk. Just, yeah. yeah, take the nature walk. And if you're a mechanical person, you're you're going to lean one way. If you already have hobbies and things like that, you've got the perfect the perfect one. But again. I go back to keep it simple. You ain't got no money, what are you gonna do? Well, nature provides us with a lot of things that fly. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
see, there you go. There you go. And that's not what Steve sees, but I just, I, I, it, I opened my mind because, wow, this is how people see that. That's why these competitions or these themed events, I don't care about the competition part, these themed events are so dynamic for the artist is it lets them create what they want. Well, and I think just from my own personal experience, I, I love I love the themes. I love anything to do with the theme, but it stretches me because I'd probably just be painting flowers and flowers and flowers all the time. But but now I'm painting people because this is this is how I'm going to represent the themes. And and so I think um, just how much I've grown by doing these. And I sometimes I do kind of funky ones, and and it feels good just to have a funky idea that would, that's going to fit with maybe a funky theme. Mm-hmm. And and so I know that I probably wouldn't have painted all these different things had. I not had a, a competition and, and a themed competition to paint to. So mm-hmm. I, I think, and well, I, I agree with Steve. I yeah. love going in there and looking around and I think, oh my gosh, I never would have thought about that way. And it's just, there's just genius in there, mm-hmm. the way people interpret it. And and you exactly. think, okay, well, there's only going to be one way that everyone's going to do this. And you get there and no, no, there's a million well, different ways. So. We have a diamond there. We do. And, and I, I really think, and I know in my heart that the community does appreciate having an art gallery there and uh, we're a wealth of information mm-hmm. um, and, and we're a wealth of creativity because there is so many different forms of art right. so um, I say do it you know just right. do it because it, it does make you feel good and it's going to make somebody else feel good as they see it yep. you know we had the best fun uh, in the pottery studio as I tried to ramp up some people that I know make really weird stuff and I says well I can make weird stuff too I gotta work at it but I mine's weird <laughs> and um, you know a, a simple mistake on a potter's wheel turned it into um, purple people eater oh, is that what it was huh? yes. okay we get the rest now we, now we know the rest of the story the, the absolutely the so you know and and we all hum tunes and songs of our youth or growing up and uh, you know, there is a ton of songs. Uh, artwork doesn't always come easy from those, but, you know, I, I picked some that I, I was pretty proud that I accomplished it. I'm not usually a miniature doer, but uh, I did make that love potion number nine kind of small. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so um, can I ask, you mentioned nature. Uh-huh. Okay, so how important was nature in your upbringing? Well, um, not having a lot of money as I grew up, I, I had to learn how to, to use what I had around me. So um, I raised horses for a while, um, slept with them for a while, and knew that um, where to get the best grass and hay if you're gonna lay on it. So you just learn to use those things that are right in front of you instead of making it up or having to buy something or having to, you know, to, to really work at finding resources. Right. They're right in front of you. Right. Well, and that's where creativity really comes in, yeah. I think, because that's innovation, where if you go to Walmart and you just buy it, there was no thought for you. You know, the tools are already made and the supplies are there. You don't even think mm-hmm. where the supplies are coming from. And so I, I think when you do have to work for it, that's your brain's working there to say, oh, yeah. okay, here's these flowers or a pine cone or a shell that I found. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I think that's. How about a wiper blade? <laughs> no, I'm serious. A wiper blade. 
what about recycling art to the point where, you know, I couldn't use the rubber part of it, but it does make a good, you know, afterthought. But remember those little metal parts they, they put in wiper blades? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they became new tools. And um, those new tools were where you could take that little metal piece and I bent it around a pencil. So it had this shape to it. And I would drag it through the clay and make my cup hang handles. Okay. Or we made um, the kids that helped me develop this, um, and Harlow made the tools, uh, is that we made candy canes. Made a perfect candy cane. And you just did a little twist and you, you had it. Yeah. So, you know, to find things of recycled material too is, is quite, it's there. Right. It, it's there. Why throw it away if you can reuse it some way? But exactly. I know you can't do it all, but it was just kind of an, a neat way to take something that we found in the gutter is an old wiper blade. Right. Like, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tools cost too much these days. If you can make them or make something similar, hey, see if it works. Right. So. so can I ask you, because pottery's been around forever, okay, I mean, we're finding pottery out uh, in the pre-contact people's where they lived. Yeah. And, and so if you could go back any time in the art world, uh, where would you go? You get to go back in time once. Well, I'm, I'm puzzled uh, on what I think of art done back then in any uh, era. I don't want to go back because I, I wouldn't learn what I know now. Okay. So I go forward with what I've learned. Uh, I know that even doing my art today, no matter which medium I work in, um, if I didn't already learn something, I wouldn't know how to do it. So I don't want to go back anywhere. I don't like any particular art because I think as an artist, you put all these little pieces together and it makes your puzzle. So I, I have to hand it to them they've had to work really hard in producing those pigments to get the colors. And, and we don't have to do that. So it, it allows us a little more brain matter to go over here to find out, Kathleen, you know, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel sad? You know, artwork is what I am. So, I'm not quite the hundred pounds of clay, <laughs> but you know, so it, it's really hard to answer something like that because um, in school you're taught it all, you know what they did, but you don't you don't really learn about it unless you're interested in uh, reading and doing the research because they're all dead. Well, and one thing at least with hand building is is we can almost mimic what we think that they did, right? As far as making a coil pot um, and we do that often because mm -hmm. coiling um, we just finished a coil class that I did but we didn't turn it into a pot we turned it into an elephant mm -hmm. so the, the, 
the coil made it so easy for people to interpret shape and form. Mm -hmm. And coils, they don't have to be perfect. You smear the stuff together and you're done. Right. Well, and they're, they're easy to maneuver. And, yeah. yeah. But what I like about uh, art history is that, um, it's like anything else, is they struggled so that I could learn. Right. And what I learned is find out who I am, what, what, what part of them I can bring to my art, because you know, there's, there's a feeling in it. So I don't know if I really answered your question, because I don't want to go back there and do what they did to do art. No, I think that's art. a beautiful answer. I, I do. Yeah, I you, you did, because you were, you told us the truth. I already know that. Yeah. So, you know, I think back then, you know, any kind of art in the way, way back, they actually had a funner component, I think, because they did have to figure it out. They did have to, you know, say, oh, I'm going to scrape this off. Can I make, is it a pigment? Well, you know, if I put it with linseed oil, what's that going to do? Is it going to stay there? Is it going to How did fast? they develop even linseed oil? Oh, right. Yeah. That's true. How did they know that? Yeah. that we could press that. And mm -hmm. and I, I think that, I think that was probably really fun for them, I okay. think, to be able to come up with, you know, and, I, and then I flip it and say, okay, well, what if Michelangelo lived today and he could go to Michael's and, and just buy, buy, buy? What would he produce? Would it be better? Or because he had to, you know, because I think that he helped yeah. Leonardo and, and Michelangelo. I think they um, they helped push forward. They weren't just using whatever was around. I think they were always mm -hmm. changing and, and, you know, if you hear stories and even making brushes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what would they be today if they could just go to Michael's and, and buy all the stuff? And they wouldn't be who they are. They wouldn't. No, it's it's totally different. It is absolutely totally yeah. different. Yeah, and I think they have. There was probably that a little bit more of a feeling of success for them because they overcame that. You know, we go buy our supplies and we make something cool, and and that's great. But they they really earned their mm -hmm. final product, and so I think yeah. I think they probably got a little bit more out of it. Would be my guess. But well, they sure helped us along the way. They did, and thank you guys for <laughs> creating linseed oil and scraping rocks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, not. Um, but I will share with you, um, and I, I'd almost say you need to try it because you don't know what it's going to turn out to be. It, it, take a simple drawing. Uh, I, I use a lot of drawings that uh, that are in a color book because usually prototypes is a way that I work through a medium uh, is take your glass of red wine and you create a picture with that red wine. And that brings my art history up because I like wine. <laughs> and I like the period in which wine was actually, you know, made. And during that period, um, you know, maybe the, the wine component or the byproduct of being drunk, <laughs> you know, um, was another window opening for, for those that have a hard time in creating. Mm -hmm. Yep, kind of loosen you up. Yeah. And, and, yep. So there is a painting in my house that is strictly done with red wine. Oh, I love that. And it's on watercolor paper. It has faded. It, it does have a purple cast to it, but it was all done in, in wine. Okay. So it, it's, a, it's interesting how you can take these simple things. Now, would I do it with Coke or Pepsi or 
No, I probably do it with knee high or crush yeah. because <laughs> of, yeah, have yeah, the color. Yeah, exactly because of the color or pomegranate juice. Ooh, yes, yeah. you know. So, so I have a favor. Would you be willing to take a picture of it that we could post? I can. Okay. I think I would be fascinated to see it, and I'm sure everybody who just okay. heard you say that would I be. will drop it by the art gallery. Um, I know that uh, three days a week, uh, let's see, sun, I work in the pottery studio all day tomorrow, so, mm -hmm. um, and on Sunday, and, and again on Wednesday. And okay. So um, <laughs> I will see to it that it gets to okay. the... Okay. Let us know, and we'll... Uh, or if you'd rather, I can take a picture of it where it is in my house and send it. Yeah. We could do that, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah Would you rather fine. have a... Um, yeah, okay. let's you, do that. You have our email addresses. Yeah. I know you do, because I bother you all the time with emails. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm just not the, the best in picture-taking. Um, uh, I can probably... It's under glass right now, but I can probably take the glass out and get rid of the glare. But it's okay. quite eventful. Oh, yeah. I'd, mm -hmm. I think it would be great to share. Yeah, yeah it would be absolutely cool different unique yes. yeah. and that's art right it, is. it absolutely is you, you you use what's in front of you yep. you know if you get that moment and everybody has a moment you know squish a banana you know shut your eyes and squish a banana and feel the art that you just recycled mm -hmm. nature's banana does a great job with muffins oh, yes <laughs> it, it does, does. you're right yeah. so it's it's just one of those things that or or banana daiquiris. Uh, well, good. Yeah, that's not good. bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and if you shut your eyes and take that banana, and if you don't burn yourself and have a fondue pot, you know, melt that chocolate, dip yeah. that banana. Yeah, there you go. And you have art yeah. on a stick. <laughs> so one thing I want to bring up, um, and I think she's proven it today, is Kathleen uh, actually coined our the name of our podcast, Art Box. And just while I've been here, sitting here, I keep thinking, you think outside the art box. And so what a wonderful name that you gave it because you really do that. Um, it evokes somebody to think about it. Mm -hmm. And the art does that. Yeah. So thanks. I have one last question. Um, so you've been with the gallery since pretty much its inception. What would you like to see over the next 10 years and maybe 20 years for the gallery or for the VBAA? Um, actually, I was just talking to Dottie about it as we, as she's moving forward in um, planning the Invitational. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that we do for um, a social atmosphere for artists. And the Invitational, again, is one that I got started. Um, I, I hate that they sunsetted, which is the city's word for putting it away, not doing it anymore, is uh, art by poetry. I like that one too. But um, you know, the time might bring it up again, but our Invitational reaches out to and should reach out to a lot of art groups. Some of them, they're, they're so small, they might only have six or seven members, but to encourage them to grow is to invite them. And in, in the Invitational, um, and again, we're still struggling through the COVID, everybody's not together. And so I think that's part of her, her trip too, is trying to find those groups that are still together, are still producing art and want to display. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see the Invitational grow. Um, she, she asked me if I wanted a separate place to put pottery and I go, no, because I'm not separate from the VBAA. So in 
encourage or go find, put it out in the airways of some sort, find these other groups that do all kinds of other art too. Right. So I'd like to see that one really bloom because we learn so much from other art groups. We do. Well, and, and I think at the gallery we get used to each other's art. And well, I sure. think it's nice to bring in fresh ideas. And no, you don't have to have a tag on the wall. I know who's who. I, I do too. I could never be a judge because I know who. I yeah. know everyone's art. Well, also pricing. Pricing is so much different in other areas. Yeah, and that's a good point. So, you know, we as artists here look at somebody else's art from, uh, say, Prump. And um, they're close to Las Vegas. They might be able to get a healthier price for theirs. Or um, some that aren't so diverse in their group, maybe just watercolors. Um, and they might not separate the gauche from the other translucents and stuff. So mm -hmm. maybe we just need to reach out to more of them mm -hmm. um, and find those that um, do art of any sort. Right. And bring them in, saying, we want to see what you do. Exactly. That keeps us fresh, too. Keeps us thinking. And That's why the student art is so important. I, I can't believe that kids, even under instruction, can do so well. We had so many people come in and see the student art display and want to buy it. And, and that just tells me that our, our schools are doing the right thing by keeping art there because oh, there is a lot of potential. Right. Plus, I think the mental attitude um, really changes when yeah. you're in art. Mm -hmm. And I think we've certainly seen where art, along with shop has been um, taken out of schools mm -hmm. right oh my gosh and I think if we all look back those are our favorite classes you know Not that's where we escaped favorite, but it helped us learn all those things we didn't right. like right well and it gave us a rest and to think about different things during the day mm -hmm. I think you know you have all these hard subjects and then it, it's almost a relief or it was for me to go to yeah. my art classes because it's like okay I can relax and I, I don't have to know you know math or geometry to to do what I want to do and I just, I remember just craving those classes. And mm -hmm. one thing I, I think is kind of cute, my, my, I have a 15 year old son who's, who's an artist and he, you know, we've, he's done every art class that he possibly can in school. And um, he told me once that he was in this painting class and he said, it's so short, it feels mean. And I think he, he about get broken hearted every day when the teacher said, all right, it's time to clean up. And mm -hmm. I, you know, cause I think we all get so absorbed and it just feels so good to let our minds go. And then when someone says, right now, you know, you need to be done in five minutes. And I thought that was a cute way to say it. He said it, it, it was so oh, short absolutely. it felt mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, there's just so much brain power that we have. Right. And, um, I don't get as many headaches as I used to, but uh, a lot of thought process um, can be relieved by art. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can do is keep that art interwoven into the things that you really need to learn right. you know math history all those other things exactly. so you know I, I'm, a, I'm a big person to make sure that there's some type of art either through visual arts theater arts performing performance arts um, it's just it makes a healthier mind it does mm -hmm. well we Steve and I have even talked about um, that term called flow and it's where we really immerse ourselves in something. Most of the time it's, it's creative, but where we are so into it, we're not thinking of anything else and the time goes by. And then afterwards, you feel like you just took a nap. I mean, you feel refreshed and, you know, and you look up, sometimes I'll look up and, you know, it's dark outside, mm -hmm. and, but I feel good. 
and I, my, my brain, I mean, you can actually feel your brain feels good, and it, it oh, yeah. feels very um, neat to not have all those other to-dos or the past or the future or what's for dinner, you know, to just really concentrate on something. And I think that's good for kids. I think especially, you know, probably middle school age, there's just so much going on there, so much angst. And it's so nice, I think, if they can really delve into it. And I, I agree. We've, we've actually talked about art therapy as well for for anxiety for different things and I, I think that's it. Well it's interesting that you do bring it up because part of the brown bags that we did um, we did cover uh, a lot of therapy in to art is art with therapy or in therapy and um, I think it was one of the gals from a recreational therapist out of the hospital that gave that talk on how we use art um, as therapy somebody coming out of um, you know, surgery, not, not really tippy-top. Well, you give them a Nerf ball, what are they gonna do? They're gonna squeeze it. Well, it's got eyes on it, so you make the eyes bulge. And all of a sudden, they're laughing, you know? So um, to get them to, to open up and relax and do art, mm -hmm. um, even if it's, you know, for lack of a better one, I do butt prints. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, you know? Uh, and and they're, they're so hilarious. But it, 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 get, it gets all of those bad vibes and puts them over here in a closet for a while. Okay, I have and, to know, how do you do this? Oh, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, not, you're not talking about hopping up on a uh, Xerox machine. Right? I know, that's what I was that's thinking. That's been done. <laughs> but no, th this is actually where you would put your butt in paint and make a butt print. And when you're done, you turn it sideways and you put the smiley faces on it or ears or something. You turn I, it into something else. I think this needs to be a competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I liked my edible art. <laughs> when that one was there, oh, I forgot about parts. that. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, art is meant as, as a release for us to get rid of all the bad stuff in our life. Mm -hmm. It is. No, I've never felt healthier than when I have plenty of time yeah. to vote to my art mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be good and it doesn't no. even have to be finished right well we, we even it. talked yesterday about you know do we create art to sell or for our souls and you know and I, and I think if we're just creating it to, to sell then it's is that true I don't know you know and it do we even enjoy it because we're so stressed about it? is someone gonna like this or you know are they gonna be willing to pay for it where Gosh, I think if you have to work that hard to right. do art um, and it's not art it's, it's not art it isn't uh-uh there has no. to be that, I think, that soulful part That's of why the simple display um, of just members' art is just as valuable as the competition art. Right. Because a lot of people don't believe in competitions, and, and I can respect that. Mm -hmm. So you might find something that would fit the theme over in the members' art. Mm -hmm. But it's just that theme hit that artist. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason why they can't paint something to that. I, I enjoy all the artwork that I see in the art gallery. Mm -hmm. I do. And we have so much talent around here. I, for such a small city, I, I think, wow, every time I go in there, I just think, this is just world class. This is amazing. For a little community. Yes, what we produce. Mm -hmm. And just, it's so eclectic. And, you know, I, I had never really seen any of the fuse glass. I've never, I had never seen any of the gourds before I came here. And, oh my gosh, how amazing that someone thought to do all these things. And then came well, up with techniques. And that's why the VVAA is so unique. Mm -hmm. it, 
it's not just for one art form or one medium. It's for many. Whatever the artist wants to do, mm -hmm. we, we hope to incorporate that. So I, I'm just glad to keep going. Me too. So. It's, a, it's a resource. It's a treasure. And one thing I always think about that I think people say a lot is, is that it is a member's gallery, that we're all part of that. We all have a say. We, we help run it. And I, I think that kind of adds a little bit to that, that we all have ownership over it. Mm -hmm. We take our part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, we're not just dropping our stuff off and coming back a month later to see if it's sold. We're, we're involved well, and thinking about it and we're participating. We, we come up with the ideas for the competitions and mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that's well, really neat. It's always been one of these, um, uh, I don't know, little, little comments in the back where uh, the city needs something like this. Mm -hmm. And um, we went on the, out on the limb basically and didn't want to sell anything. We just wanted to be an art place where you could come and see art. And, and it was, the stuff that we did sell um, was very souvenirish. Mm -hmm. and, and until the art group actually started to grow where we had very fine artists that would agree that maybe our neck of the woods, we can't get a premium price, but um, to share their artwork and their talents. So I'm, I'm glad it's grown that much. Me too. I think our community wins no matter what. A city hall wins every time we show up there and support. Mm -hmm. so. And it's no small measure for winning because of you and everything you've done. Yes. Um, I, I'm only one of those little pieces to I the know. puzzle. You're a pretty big piece, I would say. So. And I think it's got, I, if I were you, I would think, wow, look what I've created. I mean, I, I look and I'm in awe of everything you've done and you know, the pottery, the we're, whole, we're not, everything. We're not trying to embarrass you. No, oh, but you I won't. We know you're but I, I want to share it. <laughs> but I, I do just look at your successes and, and the legacy and oh my gosh, you've, you've launched it. And you know, and someday I, I, I kind of compare us to maybe a mini Sedona, but wouldn't that be a great thing that that's what Mesquite is known for? It's not a gambling town. It's not a, a stopover to the gas station on your way to Vegas. We're in our town. Yeah. And you know, maybe we're let, we're headed that way. Well, um, I I have thought about that a little bit, and I I never go there, and I'm not sure why I don't go with how you believe, mm -hmm. because we have so much community support. Um, I can't tell you in the early days how Eureka helped us out, how Black Gaming helped us out, how the city we we had no grant money. The city would give us um, half of what they collected as revenues from every person here in the town, which was um, $32,000 in their budget. And they split it with the um, Mesquite Arts Council and with the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Wow, that's wonderful. And we ran um, quite a few years in having them help us get a foothold. And, and now we're, we're looking at almost $200,000 in our bank account. Now there's some success so, right there. That's just And that's only paper. money that's gonna go back into our community um, to show them and to thank them every time they make a purchase is that you're supporting not just your community art gallery, is you're supporting everybody that supports us. 
So I'm, I'm just pleased to be a part of that. It made my life a little more complete because I was a mean kid. <laughs> I love it. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. This has been wonderful. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Can you believe we've gone um, an hour and 44 minutes? Oh my gosh. Okay, and it's just, it's because it's, you've had such it's a flown great by. Yeah. I don't think we've stopped talking. I don't think we have either. Mm -mm. No, and you've been, like, you're a great person for this. No. You have a great story, you have. And like I said, th this was pretty much the, the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> oh, I know, we could probably talk for hours, we right? <laughs> so you'll need to come back. I will, and um, I will probably share another venture that the VVAA um, has done that, again, we sunsetted it, but um, maybe as time goes on that these uh, ventures that we once did will come out again. We'd love that. See, and that's what the, the, ideas, the ideas need to be just thrown out there and yeah. maybe through podcasts and get everybody thinking about it. I think that's a great idea. Well, it, it's, um, I think the podcast, if it, if it does anything, it's going to help get those people that don't get out of the house very often mm -hmm. to say, hey, wait a minute, I, I need to go visit the art gallery. I, want, I really want to see what's going on. Right. Um, and to do that is just the creativeness to both of you guys. And, and to do the venture is just incredible because, like I said, I know how to turn a computer on. I know how to work my programs. But social media and things like that, I'll leave it up to the pros. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're still learning. That's the game. Yep, it is. Well, so. we, we appreciate it so much. So, this, this so we've already, yeah, you're coming back. Done. I will. Okay. Well, I look forward thank to you. it. Well, thank you, Kathleen. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Kay. like to talk about what's inspired us for the past week. So Steve, tell us what's given you bright inspiration. Um, bright inspiration is that we are finishing our third episode. Woohoo! Okay. Yeah, woohoo! And I think it has gone swimmingly. It has. We're learning a lot. Yeah, I think we're, our banter is, God, I hope it's not boring. No. Hopefully we don't repeat the same words over and over. Yeah. But in any case, um, <laughs> That's what inspired, inspired me. I just couldn't sleep last night. We recorded last night till 8.30. Yep. My oldest son, JT, um, he has a gallery in California, and this was inspiring. He's been after me. How are you doing? How's it going? When are you going to publish your first episode? So I gave him a 14-minute clip last night, and he said that we were great, and that we have a few things to work on, but he wasn't real specific. Well, maybe he was, but I didn't cry. And that after 14 minutes, he wanted more. Okay, so that left me um, this morning when he told me that, that left me really, really inspired. Okay, that's so, that's my, so that's my dorkiness inspiration. How about you, Rochelle? So I just got back from two weeks at home in Salt Lake, and June is absolutely the best month in Salt Lake. Everything's green and fresh and, you know, and our dry air hasn't hit yet, so uh, things aren't dying. And it smells great and everything's blooming. So that was a really uh, big inspiration for me. And then watching our, you know, our hummingbirds come in and um, 
we have a couple of herbs that really attract the bees. And I, I love the idea of you can plant gardens that are just for bees, like the bee garden or a hummingbird garden or there's butterfly gardens and it's, and it's different uh, species um, and, and some different species of flowers attract you know, even different butterflies or moths. And um, a lot of times you'll see these beautiful gardens and they're, they're you know, the, the taller plants are in the back and they just do this beautiful composition and they're colorful and they're just amazing. And so I'm really concentrating on trying different comp composition techniques. There's, you know, the, the obvious ones of, you know, the golden ratio and the rule of thirds and, and there's different techniques about, you know, trying to do odd things instead of even and you, you usually don't put your subject right in the middle. There's, there's those kind of, you know, easy ones that we always talk about. Um, but anyway, so I was inspired to try and to do some paintings that were a little bit more random and maybe mimic these different gardens uh, as far as taller things in the back and, and just different colors and, and different types of species, whether it's really teeny flowers or some bigger ones and, you know, ones that just go straight up. So, um, so yeah, I would say my backyard was my inspiration for the week. Oh, that's good. And I can hardly wait to uh, see it on the wall at the gallery. For the exhibition? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully soon. Well, it's coming quick, you know. So um, so I think that is a wrap um, for episode three. Okay. Thank you, Kathleen, for being here. I think we learned a lot. Uh, let's see. We are at the Women's Resource Center. Is that the right name? Cultural Center. The, History and the, Cultural Center. The Women's Cultural Center in um, Mesquite, Nevada. And it's a beautiful facility that they're allowing us to use, nice and quiet, I think. And um, we will put up the uh, URL so you can look up. We'll also put some pictures. It's very pretty here. It is. So, uh, hey. And it's um, nice and cool. It is nice and cool in here, <laughs> considering it's going to be 111 today. Yes. 111 outside, and here we are in nice 70-degree weather. So uh, thank you very much for listening, Rochelle. Thank you, and um, we'll talk to you next week. Join us again for the Art Box. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.